Welcome to Walking in Faith with Bishop Daly. I'm Bishop Tom Daly, the seventh bishop of the Diocese of Spokane here in Eastern Washington State. Welcome to the program. Today, we are very fortunate to have Father Esteban Solero, the pastor of St. Charles Parish here in Spokane, to interview uh, Father and to, first of all, a little bit of um, background uh, on you, Father, your where you're from, your vocation story, your family is remarkable in its uh, contributions to vocations. Um, your mom and dad, I know your dad had passed away uh, a couple months ago. So just a little bit, first of all, um, your background, your vocation story. Okay, Bishop, thank you. Thank you for inviting me to, to be with you. Um, my Both my parents were doctors and they have six natural children. They adopted six, uh, four more. And then in the span of 20 years, they provided foster care for hundreds of kids. They founded schools. And, uh, and so we, we all grew up with, with kind of the generosity aspect of, of serving and giving. And at the age of uh, when I was 10, my one second older sister joined the convent and she became later on a cloister nun. Uh, then when I was 11, my younger brother uh, entered the minor seminary. And then uh, the following year, I entered the minor seminary at the age of 12. And then I did my high school uh, with classical education while staying at the minor seminary. And um, the, the vocational story was just looking at my sister, her love for Jesus, going to a mass with uh, the pastor and thinking in the mass, well, maybe I should be a priest. Now, you, obviously from uh, Argentina, tell me about the town. Were you from a major city, a smaller town, a suburb, or? It's, uh, I was born in a big city that is Mendoza, the capital, but mm -hmm. when I was one year old, my parents moved south uh, to a city that is uh, um, 160,000 uh, habitants in the city. Uh, so it's kind of a middle-sized town, I would say. Um, but very, very faithful and very religious. Mm -hmm. We we had at that time a Polish bishop who was very good, very energetic. He began the seminary there in the diocese, mm -hmm. and uh, he allowed the religious order of the incarnate world to become their seminary there as well. So you you have, but do you have two sisters in the convent? Two sisters in the convent yeah. and a brother priest. Priest, yeah. yeah. I think that what Father mentioned early on about which is so crucial to priestly formation is uh, generosity. And uh, the phrase that I often use is, um, we look for men who have the qualities that would make them good husbands and fathers. And as we all know, a father, and this is important in this year of St. Joseph, the role of a dad is to protect and to provide, which is very much the role of a, of a priest. And, and Father Solera will hear a little bit more about his experience at St. Charles. But what we strive uh, to show our seminarians, both the Bishop White and our men in theology at St. Patrick's, what is necessary is that quality of generosity, generosity of heart, which puts uh, God's people first, uh, certainly put the Lord first, but um, called to serve. And um, if an individual is not generous, um, then they're going to have, a man's going to have difficulty either as a husband or a father because of selfishness, or certainly as a father of a parish, uh, as a pastor. So again, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that, uh, Father, because again, it is so essential that, that our men uh, who lead our parishes and serve uh, 
and the educational ministry also have that generosity. So you were in the seminary for at an early age, which is unusual today, but it yeah. was much more common before. Um, how many students were in that seminary uh, at the beginning and towards the end? And, well, in yeah. the minor seminary, we were about 60 students. Mm -hmm. And then when I went to the philosophical years and theological years, we were about 100 mm -hmm. in a seminary. And uh, the, the, the structure of formation is a little bit different than mm -hmm. in the States. Uh, but because philosophy and theology, we all study together in the same building, uh, different courses, of course, and different professors, but we were all living on the same campus. When were you ordained a priest? 2004, December okay. 15. All right, December of 2004. And again, I met Father Soler indirectly when I was auxiliary bishop in the Diocese of San Jose, uh, which is um, in Northern California for our listening audience, who many of whom probably haven't been to San Jose. Um, but um, it was only later on that uh, when I was the Bishop of Spokane that Father wrote to me. But tell me a little bit about some of those assignments you had, especially that one about Papua New Guinea. Well, yeah. thank you, Bishop. Uh, as a religious missionary priest, I, I had to go wherever I was needed. And mm -hmm. some assignments were uh, more lengthy. Some assignments were just to help out a little bit with the pastor or in a parish uh, going through some tough times or difficulties or just to uh, saps for, for, for one of the priests that has to visit family for illness or for whatever reason. So, yeah, uh, Papua New Guinea was my second assignment, I would say. I, I studied theology in Italy, and after that I was assigned to Papua New Guinea, and I had to stop in the Philippines while waiting for the visa uh, for Papua New Guinea for seven months, working in, in the Philippines. But Papua New Guinea was a very interesting assignment. Um, in what way? In many ways. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a natural paradise with, with, the, with the sea, the forest, the, the, the animals. Um, but it's, it's really hot and uh, from that perspective. But then the people were very good. And it's, it's just the beginnings of, of uh, Catholic instruction. We were taking care of five villages along the coast for that extended for 40, over 40 kilometers long. And um, the last village that we were taking care of in the border with Indonesia, they had received the first priest in the late 1900s, uh, middle in the second half of the 1900s. So the, the, the mission and the, the catechism, is, it was pretty new. We, we had the chance to meet the first catechist of the village who went into town between quotation mark uh, for instruction with a priest. And uh, after he learned about the faith, he himself went back to the village and he became baptizing. Most of the people in the village, when we visit there, have been baptized by the catechist, and mm. they have been interested, uh, instructed by that catechist who told us the story. Um, so it is a pretty new evangelization. Uh, uh, culturally speaking, uh, it's uh, very different from anything else in the world uh, that I know. Um, but they, they are open, and it's taking them a little bit of a time to together now tell me about i mean uh whenever our, our you know some of our priests find out um 
they might be moved in general areas. It's only a little bit of a little bit of, at times an anxiety. Uh, but um, how did you get around? Uh, were you on a motorcycle? Uh, in Papua New Guinea. In Papua New Guinea. Were you yeah. in a Buick Enclave? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we were three priests in the house, and we're very good friends, all, all three of us. And there were three vehicles. One was a, a Toyota. Um, and uh, then we have two uh, dirt bikes. Oh. And I was riding one of those, having fun, while going into the village. <laughs> Uh, Maybe if we can get a dirt bag with a sidecar uh, dirt, uh, that we could have Father Connell being driven around Spokane uh, as Vicar General. Yeah. Um, was there any danger in the in the jungles of Papua New Guinea, uh, or is that just something that that uh, we've we've seen on National Geographic and it's not accurate? No, no. They, they, even the villagers told us that in the center of the island the, there there are still people practicing cannibalism. So they don't go there, and uh, they advise everybody not to go there. Uh, we hear of cases of missing people that, mm -hmm. that have come because we, we have, in Papua New Guinea, they, you, you get a lot of people from Australia, a lot of people from areas surrounding, um, and they just tried to go, and they never came back as far as it was known. Mm. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think dangers like every... Where else, like when people get angry, they could be very, very dangerous. And mm -hmm. the people in Papua New Guinea were still using arrows and spears, and uh, but they have also access to alcohol. And even mm -hmm. if they were your best friends during the day, if they got drunk, run the other way. Yes. So I think that other than that, there, there were not major uh, incidents or problems. When you went, when you left Papua New Guinea, then where did you head next? When I left Papua New Guinea, I was uh, assigned to the states. But then again, for the visa to process, it would take quite a while. So they sent me to Ireland mm. to work in in one parish that we had there, uh, in County Wexford, Southern Island, mm -hmm. uh, Ireland, and I was there for seven months. Um, How was that experience? Uh, that was pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a very small parish in, in the middle of the fields. Uh, mm -hmm. We only had like probably hundred houses around, mm -hmm. like in the immediate area. And uh, but we we got the summer camp with the kids, and the families were great, and the kids were great, and and um, it was a good experience. So when did, did you, you know, and 11 is when I was ordained uh, as auxiliary in San Jose, and of course you were at the ordination, yeah. um, looking at the book. Then you, was there a time in New York? Is that for some reason yes. the Bronx, maybe when uh, you, you and I talked or? Yes, so uh, yeah, I, I was reassigned from California to Florida shortly after your ordination. And um, so I knew of you and you, you then, and then after Florida, my visa was about to expire. I left one day before my visa expired, <laughs> and I went to Greenland. <laughs> so I stayed in Greenland for seven months while mm -hmm. the visa was approved and all things done, and I came back to Chicago. I stayed in Chicago for two years, and then I was assigned to Dallas to help a priest there for eight months. And then I was in Harlem, New York. That mm -hmm. is when I contacted you. Sure. Yeah. Now that's an adventure. So the next time, maybe one of um, 
one of the guys uh, is a little reluctant for an assignment. Maybe we can just uh, take a map out and show all those various places uh, that, of miles. that you were in. Green, one quick story on Greenland. Uh, how was that experience? That's I know that's uh, a military base there. Um, anything the, remarkable about that? The military base was up north. I was assigned to the capital of uh, Greenland, that is Nuuk, mm -hmm. and it's uh, mainly in southern uh, Greenland. Uh, and the capital has, I believe, around 17,000 people. Um, uh, you don't have trees. There are no trees in the capital, not one. Uh, it's pretty icy in the winter and rocky in the summer. Um, and my pastoral ministry was mainly directed towards Filipinos. There were 20 Filipinos that were Catholic, and they 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 go to Greenland for five years or 10 years contract, and and they save money, and they go back to, the, to Philippines. the Philippines. Yeah. We're going to take a break. I'm talking to Father Esteban Soler, the pastor of St. Charles here in Spokane, and a little bit of his life. And when we come back, um, we're going to talk about his um, work at the school at St. Charles and then the fire that happened uh, recently. Welcome back. I'm uh, talking to Father Esteban Soler, uh, a priest of the Diocese of Spokane, but with a great background, very unusual, probably the, the most varied experience as a missionary uh, in the whole diocese. Father, you're now at St. Uh, coming up a year as the pastor of... Uh, year and a half. Year and a half. Oh, sorry. Almost my second okay, year. second year. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, you're not moving. Um, and uh, tell us about your work with the school, because uh, it, this is... Um, we've had... I would see this as a renaissance of our, in our Catholic education here in the Diocese of Spokane. And... Um, your work there has been crucial because of your experience. Tell us about the switch to the classical uh, curriculum at St. Charles. Well, um, the, when I got there, we, we just uh, kept running the, the school as, as we were running it before uh, with, with the normal curriculum, mm -hmm. uh, I would describe it. But then I did have a classical experience, as I mentioned before, when I was in the minor seminary, I was classically trained. I had uh, seven years of Latin, six years of Greek. I have a lot of languages, literature, um, and uh, the, the, the classical kind of way of learning of disputatios and, and so on and so forth. Um, so I, I kind of liked the idea, and uh, I thought that I would bring something different to the area. Uh, because um, in that north part of town, we have quite a good number of schools, and uh, we are pretty close to each other. So uh, I thought that it would be both uh, something uh, innovative for the area, mm -hmm. and at the same time, something that I do believe in, uh, because it ha helped me over the years, mm -hmm. and that really, uh, in all the missions that I have had, and uh, in the places that I have had to live, and the different apostolates that I had to take on uh, as I was assigned to different places at different moments. Uh, so I, I do see the value. Uh, now we are seeing how impactful it is on the kids. After half a year of the classical curriculum, uh, they're enthusiastic about mm -hmm. the school. They're happy. Teachers are happy. Uh, the families see that. And um, 
And I think that our numbers, uh, both on the data of the students' improvement and enrollment, uh, hopefully will will keep proving that. Mm -hmm. um, when you when you were a scientist, as you as you with two years ago, um, and you began that year, the enrollment was very low, wasn't it? It was low, and it had been decreasing for mm -hmm. the last seven years, mm -hmm. uh, as far as I could see on the books. I, my my first half year was kind of trying to picture uh, where we were at mm -hmm. before and uh, the the trend that was happening. And again, the the competition with the other schools that are doing really well around us, uh, it was making it more difficult for St. Charles. Um, for just for a listening audience, those you are natives of Spokane know that St. Charles was the older parish in the north part of it. And from there, you had Thomas More created an assumption. And um, at one time, it would have had a double school, of course, with the Franciscan sisters. But as we've seen the shifting demographics, um, it had affected the enrollment of several schools, uh, in this case, St. Charles. So as Father is saying, when he came, we had a conversation uh, as, um, as to what along with Katie Rickers, director of schools, Heather as the principal, what what would be needed? And I believe this bishop providentially, with the emphasis on education, Father Solera's background um, seemed such a natural fit. So you implemented the program and um, looked, visited other schools. I think yeah. you yeah yeah we, we well be, before taking the the the, the chances as to say mm -hmm. and coming to you <laughs> to ask for permission. Um, I did research what many other schools have done in the country, at least 30 of them that I could see. And then we went to the Seattle area, to St. Monica's, who had implemented the classical curriculum a couple of years ago uh, before us. And, uh, and we were able to see firsthand and experience for a whole day in visiting classrooms and seeing the kids uh, in their classwork. Mm -hmm. um, how vital and, and alive it was. Uh, so uh, after that visit, we were not doubtful that it would be successful because of the fruits that we could mm -hmm. see happening. And this year, we began with uh, limited numbers, uh, both because of the restrictions. pandemic restrictions, mm -hmm. but also because our numbers were low. And uh, within half a year, we have grown. and. Uh, we were 70 at the beginning, and now we are, uh, I believe, 130. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think uh, things are moving well. That's, and I'm very grateful for um, Father Solaire's leadership in that. As you, as I've said, the priorities as the bishop are the um, education of our young people, especially to grow in grace and wisdom at a time when the hostility, uh, the indifference has moved to hostility in our culture, and certainly. Uh, on matters of um, family life, uh, the dignity and sanctity of the human person, uh, marriage, um, the whole gender things, to have our schools teach uh, what, what we believe uh, to be essential given to us by Christ himself. So for Father Soler and his leadership, along working with Heather in the school community and the, in our school department, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. The numbers, of course, uh, in spite of the pandemic, are impressive change. Everything was moving very well forward. And then um, there is the fire. So just for, uh, again, our audience to know, Father Soler's uh, dad 
had been sick. He came to see me. He went home to, to Argentina, trying to check in on his dad, uh, be with his mom. And then um, eventually, sadly, your dad dies, and you're able to mm -hmm. do the funeral, which mm -hmm. your brother, the other priest, wasn't able to. No, no, he, he was he able was, to be was. able to be there. Yeah, we, uh, we were. Um, Almost all of us were able to to be there with okay. uh, my dad first, and then my mom after uh, my dad passed away. Um, so it was my brother, priest, and my two sisters, nuns were able to be there. Right. One of my sisters, the older sister that lives in Spain and and is married with two kids, she had more difficulties traveling to to Argentina, not only because of herself, but because she wanted to travel with her family mm -hmm. and so uh there were some restrictions there because uh, uh she's argentinian but the family her family is not so she was not the only one that was not able to be there but yeah after the the, the funeral in which my brother uh, preached and i celebrated presided over um i i stayed for for a month uh with my mom and my siblings and and yes uh, when I came back and but tell us about <laughs> you come back you're you're exhausted and is it day two when it's day two I came the yeah. the night of the 16 and we got the fire on the morning of the 18 so or the 17 the 17 was so you're sleeping there's a light left on in the rectory at St. Charles and again for our audience the rectory is very close to the school office and um there's pounding on the window by, who's pounding on the window? Officer Jones, right. uh, police officer. Uh, we, we are lucky that sometimes our police officers use our parking uh, space in front of the rectory and the church as a waiting uh, area, I would say. Um, and uh, he came into the parking and he saw the fire through the windows in the office and he saw the light on my room and so he came knocking on the window and uh, presented himself as a police officer. And when when I came out, I I just uh, thought, like, because he said that there is a fire, and I thought, well, there have been other fires outside the property in, in our parking lot or in this area. So I am walking with him, half asleep, trying to wake up, thinking where the fire was. And as we are walking towards the offices, I can see what he was seeing before, that is the fire inside the offices through the window. And at that time, I knew that everything was lost in the office. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, the officer went to move his car. He placed the call to the fire department. I went back inside to the house to get my phone and my uh, documents. And um, when I came outside again, uh, the fire was on the roof. and. Uh, the fire department came and uh, fire trucks and and they were very efficient, but it took them a while, like few hours. So I was there all morning until maybe five thirty p.m. Mm -hmm. or six, uh, and uh, yeah, an adventure. I mean, that's Providence is funny sometimes. Well, I thought you know when I got the report at six o'clock from uh, Father Connells, the Vicar General, that um, and I thought, well, that's just you know, from losing your dad to now uh, embarking on this endeavor with the school and the parish community, because again, the school is very much a part of the parish and there's a great connection there. We want that for all of our, our, our schools to see 
they are parishes with schools, not schools with parishes. Yeah. So, um, and then all of a sudden you're woken and now this. Um, so that has been uh, about a month now, a little. It has been, yeah. I mean, almost almost, almost a month, a month uh, since that. And, and certainly, as you said, impacted the, the, the community and the school as well. The community, because uh, even though the fire damaged completely the administration offices and the rectory, uh, the smoke damage when uh, reach the, the whole of the property, mm -hmm. the church and the school and the classrooms. And we just uh, heard recently that we are gonna have to wait for six more weeks before we can get the church and mm -hmm. uh, at least six more weeks. So we'll still be working and uh, celebrating the sacraments and our services in the tent that we had set yeah. on the back of the So there's a tent property. on the back uh, field there, and that's um, where um, where Mass will be celebrated, is celebrated now. And uh, Father just informed me that uh, working with the, the school department and Heather as your, your principal, you were at uh, temporarily at a closed public school? Yeah, we, we are in the, the old Jefferson. It's in 37th Street, I believe, uh, in the South Hill. Um, we, we were researching as soon as the fire took place. Mm -hmm. uh, I called Heather at 1.30 in the morning, and I said, we need to cancel mm -hmm. first the school for today and tomorrow, and we just need to start rolling a plan for, for what to do. So uh, from that day on, we, we began researching and trying to find alternatives. Mm -hmm. We knew that we would not be able to get back into the building in time. And we had researched for, for for a couple of weeks. We did the research. We find a couple of uh, buildings that offer us, uh, um, you know, to, to lease their buildings. And the, the old Jefferson School was the better fit. Mm -hmm. And yes, the last week we had the, the, the first day of school. Um, and uh, we could see the, the joy in the kids' faces and, and uh, the teachers uh, because for our curriculum, it's, it's vital that, that we have in-person classes. Uh, there is a lot of interaction between the teacher and the students in the dialogue, in mm -hmm. the reasoning, in the, uh, um, in the kind of uh, critical thinking, building up critical thinking by, by that process. So it's, it's, it's vital, it's very important. And so the, they're really happy. Again, uh, Father's explanation of why the classical model <clears throat> is so essential. The whole uh, toll that online uh, learning, exclusive online uh, learning has taken. I just read an article in the Wall Street Journal over the, the weekend about um, kind of the isolation, the impact, especially on, I think it's eight-year-old to 14-year-old, which are, is the classic age group or the traditional age group for second through eighth grade in our Catholic grade schools. Uh, we're not divided up as, as the public schools are. Uh, and um, so for the students to be in person and to experience uh, what Father's describing as so important uh, builds that one important element that is lacking so often, and that's interpersonal communication. Um, and whether that's in, in relationships of friendship, of marriages, and certainly priestly leadership as pastors. So I, I'm very grateful that uh, this, the, the swift response and of, of, of uh, St. Charles and the community coming together. Um, for our listening audience, uh, those who uh, want to assist in any way, um, I would encourage you to um, 
maybe contact uh, St. Charles Parish, either Father Soler or the school, and if you have a way to generously assist them, uh, because right now they, we, by the time this show is, is on, uh, they will have completed their, their in-person gala, which is going to be outdoors. But any way you can assist them, your prayers, your generosity, and your support, we're very grateful for, Father, your leadership and uh, this time away from uh, uh, here. And I, I know it's a little bit different than Papua New Guinea, but uh, <laughs> we appreciate you as a priest. Uh, Father was incarnated as a priest to the Diocese of of Spokane this year, and we're grateful for his priestly presence and his pastoring of St. Charles. God bless you, Father, and thank you. Thank you, Bishop. Walking in Faith with Bishop Daly is a production of the Catholic Diocese of Spokane. Walking in Faith is produced and edited by Mitchell Palmquist. It can be heard on Sacred Heart Radio, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcasting apps.